Hey, this is John Orberg, and this is Passage to Wisdom. And I want to talk to you for a few moments about chaos. As I are living these days mostly in a little pool house at Cabana, you're looking at this general area that we are renting, and our landlords are uh, terrific, wonderful people, very generous. We got a phone call from them recently. We were away, and one of them was in the cabana, and he was just very generously ripping away some stuff that needed to get taken out. But he was calling us to tell us, there's chaos in the cabana. Just wanted you to know, be expecting it when you get here, there is chaos in the cabana. And for some reason, we both just love that line. It sounds like a song that Ricky Ricardo would have sung in I Love Lucy way back when, chaos in the cabana. So we're talking that way now. When there's um, emotional upset, when something difficult is going on in our lives, when we get something hard to wrestle with together as a couple, or that we're struggling with in our minds or our emotions, or our, there's chaos in the cabana. Now, chaos has always been at the core of what works against shalom, against the kingdom of God. This is Passage to Wisdom, and there's a wonderful little section where Screwtape is writing and contrasting the beauty of the kingdom of God, life together with God, with the disorder, the chaos, the unbeauty of hell. He writes about how uh, one human writer describes heaven, the regions where there is only life, and therefore all that is not music is silence. Music and silence, Gutep says, how I detest them both. How thankful we should be that ever since our father entered hell, longer ago than humans reckoning in light years could express, no square inch of infernal space and no moment of infernal time has been surrendered to either of those abominable forces but all has been occupied by noise. Now that's chaos. Noise, the grand dynamism, the audible expression of all that is exultant, ruthless, and virile. Noise, which alone defends us from silly qualms, despairing scruples, and impossible desires. Will We will make the whole universe a noise in the end. We have already made great strides in this direction as regards the earth. God knows that's true. The melodies and silences of heaven will be shouted down in the end. But I admit we are not yet loud enough or anything like it. Research is in progress. Meanwhile, you, you disgusting little... Parenthetical note, here the manuscript breaks off and is resumed in a different hand. In the heat of composition, I find I have inadvertently allowed myself to assume the form of a large centipede. I am accordingly dictating the rest to my secretary. Screwtape goes on. Reality, apart from God, is in the hands of chaos. Now, in the ancient world where there was a great fear of chaos, uh, chaos was the enemy of human life and flourishing, and the pre-moderns lived in a world where they were threatened by chaos, accidents, storm, uh, violent death, famine uh, in, in ways that we are largely buffered from. In the ancient world, they used to talk quite a lot about what were called chaos monsters. Now, how literally the ancients believed or didn't believe in them, I don't know. But they were very common to people's thinking. And what's interesting is, occasionally in the Bible, they show up. For example, in Job, the 26th chapter, where it talks about God bringing order to the chaos. He marks out the horizons on the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. 
pillars of the heavens quake, aghast at his rebuke. By his power, he churned up the sea. By his wisdom, he cut Rahab to pieces. By his breath, the skies became fair. His hand pierced the gliding serpent. Some chaos monster called Rahab, a serpent, was destroyed by God. Now, when did that happen? That sounds like a really interesting story. I would love to see that, but there's no account of it in the scriptures. Or in chapter 74, it says to God, it was you who split open the sea by your power. You broke the heads of the monster in the water. It was you who crushed the heads of Leviathan and gave it as food to the creatures in the desert. Now, when did God crush the head of Leviathan? I'd like to read that. That'd be really exciting. What's going on here is there's a kind of a backstory, and everybody in the ancient world would have been aware of it, uh, and it involves the idea of these chaos monsters. Again, how literally ancients generally would have taken them or not is not terribly clear, but generally creation stories that were a part of the culture, the world, the communication conversation that Israel was a part of involved these chaos monsters and they uh, communicated the threat that human beings experience in the face of the unknown mystery, darkness, particularly the sea, a very dangerous and violent place. And so creation stories generally involve the gods battling the chaos monsters. So the Babylonian creation myth, at least one that we have access to, involved uh, the primary god who was battling against Tiamat, a chaos monster, and killed it and filleted it. And one half became the heavens and the other half became the earth. So that creation was viewed as kind of an accidental byproduct of this violent cosmic battle between the forces of order and chaos. Now, all of this is a backdrop to show how different things are in Genesis when God simply speaks and he brings creation into being. And uh, he, he brings order. He separates light from darkness. He separates the dry land from the uh, waters. And, and then he brings abundance into all of this. And on the fourth day, we're told that God creates the sun and the moon. Now, these were viewed as cosmic forces in the ancient world, but not in Genesis. They're simply created by God. On the fifth day, uh, he's got the oceans teeming with living things, and he creates the great sea creatures. And the word that is used, tanim, is actually used to describe these chaos monsters or uh, the leviathan. So not just whales and porpoises and so on, but the idea is that they are not forces that threaten God. Um, they are actually made by God, and he is easily able to handle them. The story that comes in Genesis is a very different story of a God who is uh, able to control all things and does not need to battle anything. But of course, chaos makes its way back into the world, uh, interestingly, through a creature that is described in the form of a serpent. Again, this would have been recognized as a force of chaos. And chaos takes hold of me and the view. And so there's fear. And so there's anger. There's resentment. I was talking to a good friend of mine this week, Rob. Hey, Rob, if you're watching. And uh, we were talking about challenges that we're both facing. And I was saying very often when I wake up in the morning after going through the darkness, another 
aspect of chaos in our world. And very often when I wake up, my mind will be filled with thoughts of uh, anxiety or fear about what's the future going to hold. Or very often resentment, I will replay conversations in my head. Things that I have heard, things that I have read, that I want to rebut, that feel threatening, that feel unfair. And I was saying to Rob, um, one of the images that came to me this last week when I go to pray is like my brain is a giant wound. It's this kind of ugly, throbbing, scabbed over, bleeding thing that I cannot heal. I just dump it out and say, okay, God, here it is. And there's a wonderful word I was reading when Paul is writing to the people of Corinth and he says that his prayer for them is that um, they should be mended or healed. It's a word that would be used of fishermen when they had been out with their nets and their nets were all torn and tangled and then they would mend their nets. And Paul says, I hope that you can be mended. I pray that you can be mended. And so I ask God, God, would you take my brain, my mind, that right now is, it's like this chemical factory. You know, the brain is a chemical factory and it numbs all kinds of toxic chemicals into my body. God, would you heal it? Would you mend it? And that's the invitation for today. Whatever's going on in your life, there's chaos in the cabana. I don't know what your cabana is, but I know there's chaos in it. There is difficulty, there is upheaval, there is unpredictability, there is fear, there is anger, there is resentment, there is the unknown, there is greed, there is a giant wound where there ought to be a peaceful mind, there is chaos in the cabana. But the one who came and spoke to the sea, peace be still, and came to his disciples and said to them, peace, my peace, he comes to you and me, peace. When there is chaos in the cabana, may God heal my mind. May I, may you come to him each moment all through this day when the chaos monster strikes. I can't. He can. God, here's my life. God, here's my mind. God, here's my soul. Now hear God say, peace. There is no chaos to which you cannot bring order. I'll see you next time.